Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Honored to have Florida State Seminole coach Leonard Hamilton on the podcast. Coach, thanks so much for being willing to talk to us today. Well, thank you very much. This year was not much different than a lot of years for you defensively as far as your team goes. One of the better ACC teams and even one of the best teams in the country defensively. So I wanted to ask you a few questions related to that, just connected to your philosophy and what you do down there at Florida State. And I guess the first place that I'd start is when you're out recruiting players, are you looking for defensive-minded kids or is that really just an emphasis that you all put on developing players just on that end of the floor or is it a combination of the two? I think it's a combination of all of it. I think that we don't go out saying there's a, a, a prototype defensive player uh, that we're looking for. We like to look for the overall uh, potential of a young man or his, his character, his academic potential, as well as the athletic potential. Some, some guys are better suited for certain systems more so than others. And there's no doubt that now uh, we try to, if at all possible, recruit to our system because uh, more than anything else, we like guys who play with a tremendous amount of passion. And most of the time, those guys who play with, with that level of, of intensity and focus normally can develop into pretty good defense players. In this day when offense is all the rage, how difficult is it to sell your kids on defense? Well, we, we've never had any problem at all uh, selling our guys on defense. That's just part of our overall system, offensively and defensively, and they kind of work together. You know, we uh, we, we we play with uh, full-court man-to-man, and we do the same thing offensively. So our offensive philosophies and our defensive philosophies match each other. We're just trying to be play with as much passion as we can and, and want to play with as much aggressiveness as we can on the offensive end and as well on the defensive end. I'm sure there are pages worth of notes either somewhere in your files or even just in your brain, but if you could summarize your defensive philosophy for our listeners, how would you summarize what you do there at Florida State? Well, we like to play with a tremendous amount of energy, you know, 94 feet. Uh, that's basically our defensive philosophy. We, we feel that um, we play with a tremendous amount of depth. You know, some coaches will play seven, eight guys. It's nothing unusual for us to have played 11 guys uh, before the 10-minute mark. Uh, we just believe that that everyone needs to, to play with a tremendous amount of energy. We try to get our players not to take any possessions off, whether it's filling the lane on offense or if it's picking up defensively or overplaying or, or shrinking gaps, contesting shots, or, or blocking out. We just think that those things, the energy level that you bring to the game and your level of confidence, and concentration means an awful lot. We don't ask our guys to do anything on the defensive end but have a, a high level of concentration. Uh, and, and most of our defensive fundamentals are not tied to quickness, speed, and athleticism. Sure, if you're trying to block a shot, maybe you might need a little more athleticism. But most of the fundamentals that we deal with 
how we close out with our hands, how we contest shots, how we block out, how we shrink gaps, how we revert, how we ro- rotate and seal the baseline. Those things don't necessarily require your physical skills. It, it requires your ability to be focused and concentrate and do the things consistently in relation to where the ball is and where you are and where your man is. So we, if, if you're concentrated and focused, <laughs> then that normally takes you where you're supposed to go defensively. And our kids buy in, and, and, and they normally feel that this is the best way for us to play in order for us to be successful. Something that you did one time with your teams, I'm assuming that you still do it, but organizing practices to, to maximize the number of reps that your players get on the defensive end, using stations much like we do with offensive work. Can you describe what those stations look like in a, in a practice? Well, we normally will have three different stations, and we'll probably break our, our team up into four to six players. And, and what we like to do is break down those defensive fundamentals uh, that probably don't happen all the time in the game. For instance, if a guy beats a, a player on the baseline, someone has to rotate to, to pick the guy up. Then someone has to rotate to pick his man up. Well, you might can go a whole day in practice and not get that similar situation. So we try to uh, develop that in a drill situation. So now in this particular drill, for three or four minutes, this guy will get let's say, eight reps of reading this type of defensive rotation that he probably could go all day long and get two of them in a regular scrimmage. So we want them to be we, – we want to teach our defense similar to where you shoot free throws, where you teach jump shots. You have to have repetition over and over and over so that you get a muscle memory with how you shoot the ball. Well, we want to do the same thing defensively. We want to have a, 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 a quick recognition – the ball move, you move, and you automatically move to those spots because you develop those habits, and you only learn those by repetition, doing them over and over. How much five-on-five five do you all do in a typical practice where your your main focus is on the defensive end? Well, it, it varies. It varies from day to day. I mean, it varies from practice to practice. We we try to make it probably about equal. We probably go 50% mad offense, 50% defense for the most part. When it comes to actually preparing for games, do you all spend much time on individual offenses, or have you prepared so well throughout the season that you don't really have to spend a lot of time on, let's just say, like mover blocker or spread ball screen or whatever you're facing on a given night? Yeah, we do spend probably a little more time than probably we should, (laughs) but we spend a lot of time making sure that we don't get any surprises in, in games and that you have certain offenses that require that level of concentration. Like you say, the, the move of blocker, the Virginia runs, where you just can't show up and, 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 and guard their system without some practice and level of concentration how to defend them. And for the most part, though, our defensive fundamentals pretty much prepare us for just about any type of defensive scheme. But because of the talent level of certain teams, and there are certain different schemes they use, sometimes you have to make adjustments in what you're doing defensively uh, to address the, the strengths of, another, of the, your opponent. That kind of goes to my next question. Do you feel like you're doing minor adjustments, maybe like how you cover a ball screen or traps or something to that effect? Um, if, you, if you know that your opponent does that more at that game, or again, are you focusing more of we're going to do ball screen coverages 
our way all the time and make them adjust to us? No, no, we will make whatever adjustments we feel that are necessary uh, in relation to ball screens, especially. Sometimes we go under ball screens, sometimes we go over, sometimes we heavy head, sometimes we flat head, and sometimes we don't even hedge at all. We drop all the way back into the lane. So it depends on the, the, the talents that are the, uh, the strengths of the, uh, another team in relation to how, what they're trying to do on the, on the offensive end. But, but for the most part, I'd say 90% of what we do defensively, we don't make very many adjustments with. Right now, Huddle is offering real COVID-19 relief for entire athletic departments with the Return to Play program. The program includes subscriptions for every program, as well as a free upgrade to have Huddle Assist and Huddle Focus, the smart camera that automatically records and uploads your games, and the ability for parents and fans to watch your live streams for free, all at your current subscription price. For basketball coaches, that means you get the smart camera for your gym, which automatically records your home games, with the flexibility to record any practices or drills you want with the push of a button. You also get Huddle Assist. That means full game breakdowns, including full team and player stats in less than 24 hours, so your stats are ready when you need them. Leverage interactive reports and advanced stats like shot charts or lineup data to coach smarter. Want to see how Huddle can help you dominate this season? Visit Huddle.com. That's Huddle.com to learn more. I'm not asking this to expose you at all, but what what things do you feel like give you trouble or give your team trouble? Like if a team comes in and runs this or does this, and maybe it's even for like a, for a young player in your program, and I'm talking so that you can kind of maybe give some suggestions or ideas for other coaches who are listening and say, you need to drill these types of things to really make your players good defensive players. Well, I think every coach should have a defensive philosophy, and he needs to understand you just can't go out and talk your players into playing defense. you got to drill them enough in the things that you are important to you where they become habit and instinctive uh, from a defensive standpoint. And so many times we, we don't drill enough defensively. We spend all our time on offense making sure everybody has a great instinctive uh, mindset for offense, but we need to have the same thing defensively. And the only way you do that is, is consistently put them in those situations where you get the repetitions in the areas where you want to concentrate on. Everyone knows that communication plays a huge part on the defensive end. Do you use specific terminology? Are you teaching them how to talk? Are you just expecting them to talk? Like what, what does teaching communication look like in your program? Well, there's no doubt that that's an excellent question because we have a whole defensive vocabulary that we that we speak in. So we're just not saying words or being aggressive. What we're using the terminology that relates to our defensive schemes. And and, and uh, one of the toughest things to accomplish in, in college is getting guys to talk on a regular basis. So we talk all the time. That's part of, uh, of our teaching method where we're teaching uh, guys to talk on well, offense, defense, and we sometimes we overdo it so that we don't have that same level of, of mix-ups and, 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 and game slippages uh, in, in, in the game. And sometimes it's always helpful the, the, that the older, more mature players understand the importance of talking. Sometimes you're younger, less, expense, less experienced players will not. But, but the, a lot of the adjustments we have to make will be direct in relation to sometimes 
you have people with exceptional talent where you sometimes you have to trap people when they get balls in certain areas where for the most time we don't reverse and never do that. But there are times when we, when we play against a guy, I remember when Hansborough was at North Carolina University of North Carolina, we, we, we worked our fans all trying to get him to catch the, to get him not to catch the ball on the block. But when he did catch it, we had to go trap him. Sometimes there might be a player that you can trap off of, but sometimes you trap some people and they're such good passes, they're throwing it to the guy who you trap it off of. So sometimes you can't do that. But it all, that's why I said sometimes you make adjustments in relation to the talent that, that people have on the team. How long do you feel it takes a kid in your program to be at the level defensively that you feel like they're making a, a, a real contribution to what you're doing on that end? Well, I think our players understand that defense is very important when you're trying to compete in the ACC. And so uh, we, don't, we expect them to be ready defensively when the season starts. We don't think that should not be. Now, there are times when maybe you have some young guys who are just learning, but, but we expect them from day one when we start the season to be up to speed on defense, on our defense, or on our offense. We, we think we have a system that we try that we use to try to teach and develop offensively and defensively, but we don't we need to have everybody ready to play at the beginning of the season. That's why we're able to play so many guys without a lot of drop off. You've coached for a long time and I wonder, is there anything that maybe you stress now that you didn't used to or things that matter more now to you that don't matter as didn't matter as much back then on the defensive end? Well, not really, because I think maybe there have been times when we we didn't out of ball as much as we do now. Um, we but we and we pick up full court every possession. We don't take any possessions off. We very seldom ever back up to the top of the key and pick people up. So we want to be aggressive offensively, and we want to be aggressive defensively, and and we want to play with a tremendous amount of energy. One of the things that 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 we emphasize probably more now than we ever have, not to take any possessions off. If you feel like you got to take a possession off, you need to raise your hand, say I'm fatigued, and come out of the game. This kind of goes along with that question just because of how analytics and stats have come to the forefront for us as coaches, but I know analytics and stats have been around for a long time. We just didn't call them that. But as far as defensive stats goes, let's say that your team plays the first half of a game and you guys are walking off the floor. What are you wanting to know stats-wise about your team on the defensive end? Well, we have we have nine different things that we're grading on the defensive end every day, and, and after every game, we give a, a defensive award, which is a symbol, not necessarily anything physical. Uh, we have a we have a a, a, a Seminole spear that, that 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 they all compete for. So we will grade every defensive possession, and we expect everybody as a team to be no lower than seventy percent efficient on all the defensive adjustments you have to make. So we'll go down the list, and we'll start at the bottom, and we'll go back, we'll have graded everybody's defensive possession, and we'll go from the 14th player, and we'll move up, and then, and then we'll everybody be anxious to see who executed the defensive fundamentals that we grade every game the best. And, every, and, and, and it's, a, it's a big thing with our team. Everybody's trying to make sure that they come out on top as well as they can, and try to win the award for for that for that particular game. It gets to be. It helps with your morale. It also helps with your enthusiasm, and it raises their level of focus. Would you mind sharing what those things are that you're grading on? Well, we like to we like to grade closeouts. We go we grade 
shrinking gaps. We grade uh, dead front in the post, still in the baseline, contested shots, uh, rotation, transition defense, and blockouts. The closeouts that you teach, is it just enough to get there, or are you grading how close do you get, or what, what matters to you as closeouts? I, I ask that just because obviously we know the importance in this day and age, the three-point shot. Well, closeouts also is, is we close out to the, the gap between the ball and the man as much as we do close out when a person catches the ball. We have to close out to your hand being on the on the line between the man and the ball. We grade that close out as well as we do when you catch the ball close out with your hands up. We try to take away vision on all catches because a lot of times guys close out with their hands down to the side and the guy just raises up and throws the ball right by his ears. So we close not only do we close out, we close out properly, at least by arm length, uh where we can mirror the ball, where we can contest the shot and uh, where we can block out. So we have two closeouts. Closeout to the line, on the line between the man and the ball. If he catches the ball, you got to close out, you know, within relation to the way you're quick to speak. But you have to be close enough so that the guy's uncomfortable shooting the ball. There are times we'll come in at halftime and the, the, the contested shots that, we, the shots that we contest, they might be shooting 17%. But the shots that we don't contest, it might be shooting 60% off. And then associated with that, the last skill question that I'll ask, rebounding, how much emphasis do you put on it? How much do you drill it in practice? And what do the drills look like if you do drill it much? Well, we don't drill rebounding as much as we emphasize it. I've gotten so many kids uh, hurt doing defensive drills. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have guys who grade blockouts in practice as well. And so we have, uh, I got 14 managers, and they're always there grading. And so and if we're not blocking out, we, we, we run for missed blockouts. That's part, of, that's part of our conditioning at the end of practice. As we kind of finish up here, I ask this of all of our veteran coaches, but if you could go back and talk to the 20-year-old Leonard Hamilton, what piece of advice would you tell him? Mm, I probably would have been uh, – I probably would have always been seeking out people uh, who had experience in the game – so I could have been a better student of the game. I think there, there were times when, because I thought I was a pretty good player, that I believe I could have been even a better player if I had listened to people who were older and more experienced. That's great advice. That's Coach Leonard Hamilton of the Florida State Seminoles. Coach, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. All right, buddy. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.